This episode is brought to you by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So create all the stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos you need with Canva. Start with one of the designer-made templates or jump ahead with the power of AI. It's a real time saver and anybody can use it. Whatever department you work in, whatever you need, Canva will help you get it done and make it look fantastic. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. Only a few startups have ever reached a valuation of $40 billion. One of them was Uber. Another was Facebook. But today, the most highly valued startup in the U.S. isn't an app or a social media platform. It's the We Company, a.k.a. WeWork, the hip, glass-walled, beer-on-tap co-working space. WeWork is now valued at $47 billion. This fall, WeWork is planning to go public, which means that regulators, investors, journalists are all taking a hard look at its business model and at its co-founder, Adam Newman. And some people are alarmed by what they're seeing. Today on the show, is WeWork worth as much as the tech world thinks it is? And if it isn't, what does that mean for all of the other hot startups waiting to go public? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, September 4th. I was, you know, covering commercial real estate and office space out of New York in 2013. And there was this trend where these co-working spaces were popping up. Elliot Brown covers startups for The Wall Street Journal. There were a number of these, and WeWork was the biggest. And so I wanted to set up a meeting, and they, you know, took a while, but finally met down at, uh, in lower Manhattan at their offices. And you sort of sit outside for a while and then get called in to meet Adam uh, Newman, who is this sort of long-haired, completely exuberant guy who didn't seem to know how to use his MacBook and had to keep calling in his assistant to show him how to show me a video. And what was on the video? <laughs> it was of their summer camp that they had just had. Uh, where they invited all of their members up to upstate New York to um, hang out by the campfire and party and drink beer and and sit under stars. And there were lots of shots of him on a motorboat. And you go into this meeting with him, and I've heard this from investors as well. He just talks about the future in a way with such supreme confidence that you think it's actually going to happen. He has this really contagious and confident way of speaking about the company and its future. Adam Newman started WeWork after trying out a series of other business ideas, which never really took off. <laughs> One person who we worked with said he was really, really, really interested in money. He first had an idea for a collapsible heel for women's shoes, which he said didn't work. Then he tried to make a thing called crawlers, which was an outfit for toddlers with padded knees so their knees wouldn't hurt okay. as they crawled around. He's trying around. to solve problems. So trying to solve problems. And while he was doing that, on the side, he sort of saw this office thing, which clearly had a lot more glamour to it in his mind. And so that's when he left in 2009 or so from that to move into office land. WeWork leases large office spaces and then carves them up so that multiple small companies or even individuals can work in a shared space. WeWork then charges its tenants or members substantially more than it pays in rent 
And by doing so, the company could, in theory, make a lot of money. So very early on, it, it was seen as something giant. So he told people, um, some of the first employees, like one of them told me once, you need to take this seriously because we are building the next Google. WeWork wanted to be more than a real estate company. It branded itself with a kind of tech company vibe. Basically, one of the first things they said when I got up there was, you're a real estate reporter. We don't think this is a real estate story. Is there someone else who covers community and, you know, changing social trends in cities and entrepreneurship? And I said, I'll hear you out. I'm still probably the guy who would write it, but why aren't you a real estate company? And so... They were very sort of pushy on that point. And actually, I later learned they instructed their PR people to really push back against the notion that they were a, if anyone would call them a real estate company. It was using all this language of, you know, the software world, and they pitched themselves as a physical social network. And Newman wanted to be even more than that. They recently shared sort of some early napkin drawings, essentially, from the time, where it's like, we'll go into we sailing, uh, we banking, and, you know, they would finance entrepreneurs. It, it was sort of all over the map, all under the, this concept of we. WeWork's first building was in Soho in downtown Manhattan. Newman renovated the space with a look that has become WeWork's distinctive industrial style. Glass walls, plants, and a packed roster of events. By 2012, WeWork had won the backing of one very significant investor, a Silicon Valley venture capital firm called Benchmark. They've been early backers in, in things like eBay and in Uber and Snap. So they've had a lot of hits over the years. One of them met Adam in New York um, and was really impressed by, by his personality and the business. But then Adam came and, and met all of the partners at Benchmark, and it was described to me as they were not nearly as interested in the business as they were in him as a person. And just they saw he was this force of energy and sort of checked all of these Silicon Valley CEO boxes. What would those boxes be? Uh, contagious energy, vision of this sort of era of startup, you know, CEO where the, they want to turn these little companies into multi-billion dollar companies. They're looking for someone who can, whatever happens, whatever happens with the business, by sheer will of force, make a giant successful business. And Newman's timing was right. There were more people out there looking for smaller, more flexible office space. They had, had stumbled on this geyser of demand where they really, like, were opening and just filling really quickly. And there was something changing in, in the economy or demand for office space where you'd open up these centers with these, uh, these locations with a lot of desks and sort of separated glass offices and then a hip common space with arcade games. And it was, it was pretty unlike anything else out there uh, other than sort of offices at Google. After that first endorsement by Benchmark in 2012, WeWork grew fast. Every year, the company was roughly doubling the amount of space it was renting and the amount of revenue it was generating. By 2016, WeWork had more than 100 locations. It was in Atlanta, Denver, San Diego, Berlin, Seoul, and Mexico City. And it wasn't just attracting freelancers and small startups. WeWork was signing up big-name tenants like Microsoft, IBM, and Amazon. There was so much enthusiasm that in 2018, one company that had invested in WeWork, SoftBank, almost bought it. But after taking a hard look at its finances, the people backing SoftBank got nervous and forced it to abandon the offer. The deal never went through. 
and big questions started to emerge about how WeWork was running its business. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. Typically, tech investors seek out visionary founders and businesses with the potential to remake whole industries. But Wall Street is more focused on a company's ability to reliably make money. And so this summer, when WeWork announced its plan to go public, Wall Street investors started taking a hard look at its finances and how Adam Newman was running the business. One of the things they noticed was Newman had been consolidating his power over the company. So in late 2014, what was happening was that's when money was really starting to pour into Silicon Valley. And for the hottest tech companies, the CEOs found they had an enormous amount of leverage. And so back then what Adam did, he changed the sort of makeup of the company. So he now had full control over the company and its board. Essentially, Newman had found a way to make his vote more valuable than the vote of another shareholder. That was really important because that makes it so it's no longer a board of directors that is independent and and can make decisions. But everything was really fully, it, it became Adam's company. That wouldn't be a big deal on its own. But there were other things, too. So Adam did, uh, over the years, a number of things where he had his own personal interests uh, intertwined with those of the company. So one of the things that he did that raised a lot of eyebrows is he bought a number of properties individually with his own money and then leased them to WeWork. Okay, that seems unusual. Yeah, it's quite unusual. I mean, you know, another theme is that Adam has sold uh, successively in a number of rounds uh, a hefty amount of shares in WeWork and raised a lot of money that way for himself because, you know, he didn't have much money before and he was not independently wealthy. But so the rising value of the the private WeWork stock uh, allowed him to cash out some, take some chips off the table and, you know, start living a richer life. Is that unusual for founders to be cashing out during this kind of period of growth? It's certainly unusual on the scale that he's done it, which is very large. And if you include loans, it's over $700 million. And that's the type of thing where we couldn't find a precedent anywhere close to that. 
So not only was Newman cashing out of WeWork as the company was growing and becoming more valuable, but he was also leasing his own personal properties back to WeWork. That meant WeWork would pay rent to Adam Newman. He also did something similar with the name of the company. That title, The We Company, Newman owned the trademark of the word we. He sold it to his own company for a value of almost $6 million. Now, you know, WeWork's defenders, Adam's defenders, will say that nobody works harder for for WeWork than he does. And, you know, he took some of that money and actually bought more stock in the company. And he's very much aligned with, with the growth of WeWork. Uh, but even so, it's, it's just generally not seen as a great image. That image wasn't helped by the fact that WeWork was losing money. WeWork has actually never reported a profit. And over time, it was reporting bigger and bigger losses. WeWork is losing an enormous amount of money, and they've really been increasing that at basically the same rate that they've been increasing the money they're taking in. And so, you know, in 2018, for every dollar that they took in in revenue, they spent $2. And uh, that was also true in 2017. So, you know, they they came out to $1.9 billion net loss, which is a very large net loss for a company of of this age, of of this size. But not totally unusual for startups to be loss-making. Correct. Uh, But very few have lost money on this type of scale. The the notion that that a a nine-year-old company should be losing $2 billion a year is, and that's normal, is, is an incredibly new one. In all, we, again, we were burned through $2 billion last year. Not only is WeWork losing a ton of money, there's another factor here which makes its business especially risky. WeWork is locked into long-term leases all over the world. The company usually signs 10-year or even 15-year leases for the office space it runs. But its customers' leases can be as short as just one month. So if WeWork loses a lot of customers or can't fill up the spaces it has, it could get stuck paying a lot of rent. WeWork thinks of itself like a tech company. It uses that kind of physical social network language about itself. But at its core, it's doing something that companies have done for a while. Companies that are nowhere near as valuable— Companies like IWG, which used to be called Regis. Regis now and WeWork have a very similar business model and very similar amount of desks that they lease out. WeWork is worth 10 times what Regis is. So WeWork's worth $47 billion and Regis is worth, you know, around $4.6 billion. So these questions of, about WeWork, particularly about valuation, have uh, dogged WeWork for a while. And their response has always been very confident that the public markets will value them like something like a Netflix, where what they're doing is they are growing so fast that that is what investors want. And they're going to assign a really you know good valuation for companies that are growing really fast. WeWork's valuation is about to be put to the test. The company is expected to go public in the next few weeks. When it does, it will be facing scrutiny from a much broader set of investors, basically anyone who can buy stock. And if it doesn't go well, it raises deeper questions, not just about WeWork, but about all kinds of venture capital-backed companies. There's a huge amount of the economy now, or certainly the new economy, that's all 
based on the presumption that this new wave of startups is worth so much. And, you know, Uber, it was spawning all sorts of other companies that mimicked it and said they're the Uber of dog walking. Because if Uber's worth so much, then surely the Uber of dog walking will be worth X. And so you basically have a mini economy based on this expectation that these companies are worth a ton. And if that ends up just being a house of cards or, you know, flawed logic, then you have a huge amount of other companies that are going to have a lot of problems. And we have seen this already this year, right, with Uber and Lyft. Yes. Uber in particular was just by far the most hyped startup of the past, you know, decade. So there was this enormous expectation for how well Uber was going to do, and it it flopped in the IPO, and it's fallen since, and it's now a share in Uber is worth less than it was in December 2014. I I, I think this opens up a, a big question for the disconnect between the private markets and the public markets. So if Wall Street isn't buying what Silicon Valley is selling, that's a really big problem for all of these companies in Silicon Valley that are still private and worth gobs of money. Ahead of WeWork's IPO, and with all of the skepticism about the company, WeWork is now making changes. Today, in new paperwork filed for the IPO, it disclosed that it would undo that $6 million deal over the trademark of the word we. That's all for today, Wednesday, September 4th. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.